Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Praise the Lord. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We're very blessed. We're very blessed this morning, amen, to be able to come in here and worship the Lord with such freedom. And uh, when the scripture says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness, come before him all you saints, and what a joy for us it is to be on the Lord's day. Gathered not just a few here today, but with tens of millions, hundreds of millions around this world that still believe, amen. Hallelujah. Gathering in to little churches and villages and hamlets and towns and cities and glorifying Christ today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell me who else is worthy of praise, amen. Come on. Who else is worthy of praise? Who else is worthy to be honored and adored? Look at our politicians. There's a big fat, if I was uh, on the X Factor, they'd be getting a big X straight away from me. Is it our scientific fraternity and even the great medical fraternities and educational houses? No, friends. There is nobody like Jesus. Hallelujah. And his presence is here this morning. He has promised that to us. If you would only sensitize yourself, if you would hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, if you would only open your heart and step into a supernatural relationship with God, you would only bow the knee and say, I, I am not enough. My intellect is not enough. My strengths are not enough. My qualities are not enough for endurance or survival. And then humble yourself. Then the Holy Spirit of God will come flooding, uh, flooding into your life. And for those of us who have received the Lord, we can testify. We may have many issues. We have many issues. But we can testify that in our hearts it is well. Amen this morning. I welcome each and every one of you, those online, we welcome you. So delighted that you're gathered with us this morning to worship the Lord. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of 2 Kings um, chapter 6. And I'm mindful that there's people watching in, in here and uh, you're on a spiritual journey. So the Bible is a bit of a mystery to you, uh, but yet you will sense the presence of God. I have no doubt about that. If you're, if you're a seeker, if you're hungry for truth, if you're hungry for reality, why you were born, why, where you're going, what's it all about, then God is knocking on your heart and he's drawing you. I've, I've, I've no doubt about that. Uh, but sometimes some things might be outside of your realm at this moment. Stay with it. In time, if you stay with the word of God, it'll become part of your very soul. But the, we're reading from a portion of the scripture that has to do with the history of the kings of Israel. Just to give you a bit of background for some of you. And, you, know, the, you must remember that the entire story of the Bible is a love story. It's a salvation story. It's the story how, how God, when he created this world, he created us with free agency, knowing you know, that we, you know, we would misuse that, but also determining to love us and to plan a way of escape for us, you know, and uh, letting us embrace consciousness, letting us embrace choice, yet outwitting all those things by providing a salvation that's secure and powerful. And that's, that salvation starts way back in the book of Genesis, when after Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden, God preached a wonderful message to them that he was going to send a seed into the world, and that seed would crush the head of the devil. And of course, we know that seed is Jesus. And in that journey, God elects a nation to himself. First of all, he picks a man called Abraham. And to Abraham, he says, I'm promising you that seed that I promised all those years earlier is going to come through your lineage. I'm going to give you a family. They're going to become a nation, and in that nation, I'm going to give them their own homeland, the land of Israel, and out of that homeland, I'm going to bring about the, the prophetic fulfillment of the Savior of the world. So, that's the, so the history is unfolding over a few thousand years of the Jewish nation, where God has promised through that lineage to bring about the salvation of the world. And the kings, of course, is dealing with the various kings that ruled Israel at that time. And um, not, not, not many of them are shrouded in glory. You know, there's about six or seven of them out of, I can't remember how many, 40 odd, um, you know, that really kind of shone for their love for God. But like all human hearts, all of us, we have a bent, a bent towards sin. If you want to deny that, you can. But, you know, you go into any store today, you see the moms when they get up to the checkouts and they've got the little two-year-old and uh, that thing is like demon-possessed when it sees chocolate and it's screaming the house down. 
Don't tell me there's no such thing as a sinful nature, okay? Nobody taught you how to take the pennies out of your mother's purse. It was in your fallen nature to do that. God knows it. Pastor Nick knows it. You need to be aware of it, okay? And so you need salvation, and God knows you need salvation. And maybe some of you are here this morning saying, God, it's that and a lot worse than that. And I want to tell you there's hope for you this morning. But this story is to deal with the heart of the kings. And in the time of the kings of Israel, God had brought uh, spiritual leaders in. They were called prophets at the time that, that literally brought the word of the Lord to the people that were constantly... If, if you want to story, know the story of the Bible, the story of the Bible is the abject failure of all of us. Do we, we promise God something and we never do it. We don't cut the mustard. We can't even stay to our New Year's resolutions. We, can't, we promise we never do it again, and we only go back to do the same things. So the inability of ourselves to reform ourselves, that's the story of the Bible, and, and bent on destruction. It sounds harsh today, you know, some of you have just started life and you think, you know, you know I've been to destruction, oh, life's my oyster and I'm ready to, to just roll through life. But this is the story of humanity and humanity has a great way of, of repeating itself through every age, through every decade, through every season of life, through every, every type of person, nation, tribes or tongues. And so it is a, it is a repeated thing. Just, you, you think there's something new about your life. There's nothing new about your life. I'm sorry to say, you know, it's the same as every other life before you. We all fall into the same vices. And uh, there is a message of hope for you today. So we're dealing with Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, one of the miracles of, of Elisha, who is now the prophet to the nation. Uh, one day, the group of prophets came to Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we meet with you is too small. I like the old King James Version. It says, this place has become too narrow for us. Let us go down to the Jordan River where there are plenty of logs. There we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them, go ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. That was wise. And, and I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But one of them was cutting a tree. and His axe fell into the river. Oh, sir, he explained, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. He showed him the place. Elisha cut a stick or a limb from a tree, threw it into the water at that spot, and the axe had floated to the surface. And Elisha said, grab it. And the man reached out and grabbed it. You know, in the, in the New Testament, we're going to come back. This is our, our, our text this morning. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes something about, about developmental uh, as people. He says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I reasoned as a child, but when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. See, when you were born, um, you were given a life, but when you grew up, you had to make a life. And the sad thing to see so many young men and women for that start out to make life, uh, you know, to, to see, you know, embracing life with, straight, with such gusto and such hope. It, it, you know, as a minister, it's one of the saddest things to see the false promises of this world that people really kind of grasp hold that you, you can be a better you, only to wake up with a you that's no better than yesterday. You know, start your life, try to find love, only to sour that love. Divorces and failures and falls and, you know, people, they, they, young men and women, they, they, you, you start to see the spark begin to slowly dim in their eyes when they're faced with the awful reality that life is blooming tough. Life is not easy. It, it, it's a tough world, friends. It's, it's, it's a dog-eat-dog. Dog. It's, 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 it's sad. You emerge from your youth with great expectations, great momentum, vision, dreams, expectations, but there is no trouble-free paths in life. Solomon, one of the wisest men that ever lived, he said, surely as sparks fly upwards, man was born to trouble. Bob Dylan wrote a song called Trouble, 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 Nothing But Trouble. You can see many young couples start out to build a life for themselves full of hopes and dreams, but somewhere along the road, something dies. They lose something precious. Their dreams start to turn to nightmares. Their bliss turns into fear. Their lamps are burning dim now. Their, their spark is quenched and their edge is lost. And that is a universal story, friends. For everybody, because there comes times when the torpedo hits all of our ship. And no matter who you are, none of us are exempt from trial. None of us are exempt from sickness. None of us are exempt from failure of others or our own nature. And it's all around us, friends. And thanks be to God, there is God in the equation this morning. Amen. 
Thanks be to God, there's something above the natural called the natural realm, which is called the supernatural. Amen. Thank God today that there's something beyond us. Beyond us, friends, because when we look at the world and we see our own lives, the possibility of self-development becomes an appalling proposal when you look at the history of humanity. We are now closer to self-destruction than ever before. We look at societies that we've taken a thousand years to build and in a short few years are plummeting and falling around us. The glue that held our civilizations together is falling apart. Families are falling apart. Relationships are falling apart. Husbands and wives are at each other's throats. Siblings are fighting. Cousins and friends and neighbors and societies. And, and Jesus said, ethnos will rise up against ethnos. That means, you know, color against color will fight against each other in those end days. And we see it all around us. But I say to God this morning, thank God that you're there. Amen. Thank God there is a supernatural realm here that God can resurrect within every one of us the hope of eternal life, the hope of a better life, the hope of true peace. And this is a story here in 2 Kings where these, these are young prophets. These are young spiritual men that are on a journey with Elisha. He's, he's their mentor. And the school of the prophets was an educational school to teach them in the ways of God, to be a voice to the nation. And they're, they're full of enthusiasm to do something for God. These young men are starry-eyed to change the world. They are out to make a difference, and they begin to see that their numbers are swelling. Things are beginning to grow. There's an interest in spiritual things. There's a mini-revival going on, and they come to, uh, to Elisha, and they say, listen, this place has become too narrow for us. Let us build something bigger. And uh, before we go on to the substantive story, I always like that term they use, this place has become too narrow for us. Just be careful that the narrow road doesn't become irritable to you. Amen. Because Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and many walk on it. And narrow is the road to eternal life, and few they are that find it. Be careful, Christian, that you don't become irritated with God's timing. Amen. Don't be, become irritated and say, this place is, oh, the church is too narrow. The, God's timing is too slow. You know, we want to move it up a little bit. We want to take it up a notch or two. We, 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 want, we want to show God how things should be done. Amen. And sometimes we can jump ahead of God. And the lovely thing about it, whether this was that situation or not, whether they were well-motivated and spirit-led, it doesn't matter, friends, because sometimes we are well-intentioned, but it's, it's only our idea. It's not a God idea. Amen? We want to do good. But it's not what God has called us to do at that moment. Amen? It may be, the Bible says, division, and that could be for any area of your life, awaits an appointed time. The Christian man or woman is a man or woman that is meant to be led by the Spirit of God. That's what, we're not just saved. We're not just sort of, you know, all of a sudden taken from here to here, which is true. But we're in a relationship with the Spirit. And the Spirit bears witness with our spirit. And there is that guiding and there's that listening to God that the Scriptures are always saying, you need to start listening. You, has your dad told you that lately? Has, your, has someone whispered that in your ear? You need, no, no, you need to listen. We're not very good at listening. We're not very good at listening to the Lord. And so these young men, whatever the motivation was, I'm sure it was rightly intended. They were, they were good men, believing men, and they wanted to do something. And I love to see, I love to see unction or action in the church. I love to see young men and women have vision and are rising up with their gifting and their talents. And we are blessed here at Cork Church. I think we have four or five worship bands here and just men and women that are giving what they have to the Lord. And you know, they come in and they serve on multiple levels and give selflessly of themselves. Many of them are refusing promotion in jobs because they want to serve the work of God. Many of them have reclined out of secular work and went the road of poverty to serve the church here. And we commend that. It's great to see it in the life of our church of translating into real living. But these young men, they're laboring. They want to make things happen. Laboring for a better life. The place we're living has become narrow. Be careful, as I said, about, narrow, about your idea of what narrow is. Be careful before you criticize and say, God's way is too narrow, too slow. Narrow is the way, as I said, and a few they are that find it. And these young men are full of enthusiasm. But good ideas can may, may be just that. They may be a good idea. I want to tell you, if I had a dollar for every good idea that someone came to me and said, we should do it to church, I'd be a rich man. Amen. We're not short of ideas, okay? What we're short, what we need to be hearing is what does the Spirit say to the church? Is this God's will for our life? It doesn't matter how good it looks, 
How good is, is this what God would have for you? And that is, that is multi-tiered this morning, not just the general vision of core church, not just, not just uh, my life, but your life, not just the area of your education and what career path you take, who you date and who you marry. Is, is it the right thing, God? Is this the right direction for me? Amen. That better off not set and sail there, friends, unless you know the will of the Lord. Can you say amen? And you don't want to have buyer's remorse, okay? You don't want to go down a journey to, with a good idea just to find out at the end of that journey is a cul-de-sac and you put years or months and money and emotion and time into something that just sunk and all, all you are is someone putting coins in a jukebox with all the sad, broken heart songs, amen? No, that's, that should not be your legacy. Your legacy, Jesus said, I've come that you could have life. Hallelujah. And have it abundantly. Amen. That's what God would have for you and I. So these young men, they have good ideas. Who's to know whether this is spirit-led or not? But I want to tell you, everything that they had done, they went and they started to cut down these trees. They went to the Jordan. But everything that they had done at this time and had accomplished at this time, had a, they had accomplished it so far on their own strength. No supernatural manifestation was seen or needed. But I want to tell you this this morning, that everybody's life needs a touch of the Master's hand. Every one of us <clears throat> need to experience the supernatural leading and guiding and strength and power of God. It's not for an elite few. It's not for the people on the stage or in the church offices. You are, you are the sons and daughters of the living God. You have a relationship with God. And God, the Holy Spirit, is willing and wanting and urging to guide you. See, there's all action going on with these guys, but no unction. When we talk about unction, it's a word that the reformers used to talk about being led by the Spirit into the area of prayer. Something that aroused the spirit of a man. Do you understand? The, the, into, a, into a hearing ear to what God would have to say. So a lot of action, a lot of running around, a lot of planning our lives, a lot of doing things, but not a lot of waiting. Not a really lot of contemplation going on with these guys. And, and they didn't need the supernatural. You know, I, I was... So I, when I read this story, I can, I can see myself all over it. Because as a young man, I'm, I was a bit of an action man, not physically looking for that matter. I always had a bit of a belly, didn't have very strong arms, uh, didn't have any, actually no muscles at all. But as action as regards doing actions, always wanting to do something, to make something happen. And, you know, ideas and bringing the best of my natural mind to bear upon any situation. Uh, forgetting, of course, that unless God builds the house, we labor in vain. Amen. And I want to tell you, whatever you're building at the moment, if God is not the one behind it, you're laboring in vain. The thing will come down like a house of cards, friends. It won't endure the forces that are all around us, and they are real. I'm not building up some false argument here. You've lived long enough. You're bright enough to see that the storm clouds are gathering everywhere, and you need to be built upon the rock. Amen. You need to have your house firmly founded, and he needs to be the architect, and he needs to be the builder. Amen. And I want to tell you, only when that happens do you have that true security that will stand in any storm. They went to the Jordan, they cut down this tree, and uh, I, I just can't imagine, you know, you, you, just, just imagine that this is the will of the Lord for them, and, and they're off, and they're doing, you know, they're just going. They're not, they're not very well led. And, and one of the guys there, he borrows an accent. Now, we laugh at that, of course, but we just remember, this is, this is around the time of the, the break into the Iron Age. So an accent was a lot of money. Yeah, the iron, as we would know today, and smelting and understanding, that technology was only being forged at that time. And, and, and so to have an axe head was like, I mean, it was like having a JCB, if to be honest with you. Can you imagine trying to cut down a tree with an old, you know, flint stone, you know, that's what they used before that. But this guy had an axe head, he borrowed it from someone, it would be in a lot of money in that time. And, you know, and he's do, doing the will of God, but he's not very wise about it. You know, how, how many of us want to, you know, God calls us, but we still don't listen to the voice of the Lord. We're not really guided by the Lord. We just go off half-cocked, you know, like a march hare running into life without any true sense of waiting on the Lord. And, you know, what possessed him to go cut down a tree at the deepest part of the river? You know, I can just imagine this guy, you know, it always enthused him hanging over the edge of a river at the deepest part of the area, and he's like this, hammering away, and all of a sudden, he loses something. But thanks be to God, even though we're foolish, sometimes we are, we actually, we are all foolish, aren't we? Come on, let's just say, listen, I am foolish. 
and how I sometimes go about things. It's so, I don't know how anybody loves me, not just my wife, my grandkids, but how God sees any virtue in me. I go about even a good thing, and I do a bad, I go about it the wrong way. But isn't it wonderful that God never criticizes you? Isn't it wonderful? Elisha could have come over and said, you dumb idiot. For heaven's sake. I remember when we moved into the church, I was thinking about this last night, and uh, I, 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 I think I was like Hitler or Stalin or the both of them combined uh, with voluntary workers coming in. And, uh, and, and sometimes with voluntary workers, I mean, they mean well, but they won't do everything right. They'll kick over paint or they'll, you know, they're, they're not trained. In this. And I remember getting really annoyed with some voluntary workers. And, and if, they didn't intend to kick the paint over, okay? They didn't. That was not the intention. They, they could have worked better practices. But I wasn't like Elisha. I came in straight away. Why did you put it there? Why did you not put it here? What are you thinking of? This is costing us, you know, and th oh, thank you, God, that you didn't deal with me the way I've done with others. Say amen. I just want to apologize. You know who you are today. Some of you are here, and some of you are so offended with me that you're watching online today looking for me to make a mistake, and I don't blame you, okay? My apology to you as well. But the fact of the matter is that's not the way of the Spirit, amen. He doesn't come in to break you. He doesn't come in to expose your foolishness, you know, and so many of us try to serve the Lord with our lives, and in serving our lords, we, 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 get, a, we, we, you know, we get it backwards, friends. You know, we don't do it quite right. You know, somewhere along that journey, we, we don't measure up to even what we wanted to achieve for the Lord. But I want to tell you that that's because you're trying to do it on your own. Every life needs a touch of the supernatural. We are not talking about some academic qualification to be a Christian, just believing a set of rules. We're talking about life. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly. Amen. And that's not just intellectual concepts from the Bible that are superior to other religious views or worldviews, friends. That's fine. They're academic Christians. I'm talking about a man or a woman that understands the life of the Spirit and even in his failure or her failure understands what resurrection power is all about. Amen. So wherever you are today, maybe you've lost the accent. Maybe you went off uh, half-cocked with an idea. Maybe you're wherever you are today. I'm telling you, God is still for you. Amen. He hasn't abandoned you. And you might have run ahead of God. You might have been in step with God. You might, but I tell you one thing. When someone gets it wrong in the Christian life, it's never God. It's always us. It is always us. And so he lost his edge in life. Even try to do the, good, the, the, the right things. Others, you've lost your age in life because you just even didn't try to do good. You just try to do it your way, not God's way, your way. And your edge is so gone. You've lost your accent a long time ago. And now you're standing with a limb and you're beating a tree. <laughs> you're trying to beat it to death rather than cut it down. You know, it's not working for you. And it won't work for you. It's impossible to work for you. Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, Be not deceived, God does not mock whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You can't do it, friends. But he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't condemn you because you walked off your own way. He doesn't condemn you because you, you turned away from him and turned to yourself. He doesn't condemn you because you wanted to serve him out of a good heart and got it wrong. He simply comes to you and says, Where did it go wrong? Where did the axe hit fall? Where did you lose your edge? That's the heart of God. But he requires honesty. That's what God requires from every Christian man. I believe, truthfully, the only thing that God requires outside of faith is honesty. I desire honesty in the inward parts. There comes a time where a man or woman said, this is Nick Cassidy, this is who I am. You have to say that for yourself, and you have to appraise yourself honestly. David was able to do that in the Scriptures. In Psalm 51, he says, for I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment of my conception in my mother's womb. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, For you desire honesty in the inward parts. Oh, I have fallen. I'm a sinner from the beginning. I can't dress it up. I have fallen. I have fallen in, in, in doing right things and wrong things, whatever it is. And that is the point of honesty here. This young man cries out, it was gone. Something interrupted his momentum in life. Maybe something's interrupting your momentum abruptly. But I want to tell you, God is there. He cried out, and God heard him through the prophet. When you lose your edge, there is only one solution to every problem, friends. As I said, the touch of the master's hand. The attempt of the young believer was honest. His, his was an honest attempt. 
Many of us weren't so noble with how we lived our lives. We dressed it up another way, but let's be honest now. Can we be honest now? Some of us tried to do spiritual things and just got it wrong. And a disappointment. Others just went off and did wrong things. It doesn't matter. I don't care where, how, what your motivation was. The Holy Spirit is crying to you today. I can resurrect that edge in your life again. I can do something very powerful in your life. But every life needs that touch of the master's hand. You can try and run this race with all your own skill, vision, dreams, education, with your money, with your future marriage, whatever it may be. <clears throat> but it's only a matter of time when you lose your edge. Many tried for years to fake it. They tried to soldier their way through. As I said, the ridiculous picture in your head of if there's an emoji of a man with no accent and just hitting the tree with a limb. Try to bring it down. That's you. The longer it goes on, the more pathetic it looks. And the more energy you're expelling and you're putting good money after bad and you're putting good emotions after bad and you're going down that rabbit hole of nowhere where it comes to an honest moment in their life. Some people, particularly in Christianity, within in the church, you lose your edge because you had an edge in God. You have, you have that. You're saved. You have an edge. But you've only used it to cut things down. You've been a great cutter. But it hasn't been to build up on things to cut everybody else down. Oh, well, they're not quite like this. And they're not quite like that. And their doctrine doesn't quite measure up here. I mean, all you've done is skilled your understanding of the Bible to be a cutter. And to, to, to cut the legs under people. Oh, if the church was only better this way. And sister so-and-so was only better that way. And, and if Pastor Nick was only more this way or that way. And you, you've lost your edge as a Christian. Because all you know is criticism. All you can do is point to everything around you. And cut it down and rock it down. And you're in the same place today as the man that went out and started parting and pubbing. You're miserable. You've lost your edge. You've no momentum in your life. Many lose their spiritual edge because they've skilled it just to cut down and not to build up. But the question always comes from the Holy Spirit, where did you lose it? God will always bring you back to where it went wrong. He will always bring you back to where it went wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't shade it, friends. He goes after the gangrene. He doesn't put a band-aid on your life and say, oh, that's okay, that'll go away. It won't go away. It has to be dealt with. And to, be de to have it dealt with, you need to have that place of honesty with the Spirit. Where did it fall? Where did you go off the road, friends? It's not that he doesn't know. Of course he knows where you lost it. He was there when you lost it. He was there when you threw it away. He was there when you were cutting down everyone else. He was there when you just cut him. But he wants you to go to that place. Because it said, Psalm 51, verse 6, I desire honesty in the inward parts. And if you're going to have any growth in your Christian life, you need to be honest about yourself before the Lord. And come into that place and say, oh God, I've, I've lost so much edge here spiritually for a plethora of reasons and it's all because of me. I've learned so skillfully to blame this one and that one and the other one where God, it's me. I need resurrection. I need you to touch something. I need, you know, the edge I had in my life wasn't my edge. Anyhow, it was an edge that you gave me. Any good thing you had any ministerial ability, any possibilities in you, any hopes that were in you all were from God. Because the Bible tells me all good things come from Him. They come down from the Father of light and who the snow shadow are turning in. And so this morning, you and I, when we look at our lives and say, I lost something, you might lost that loving feeling. Even love comes from Him. It's not an invention of human being, friends. Look, God, the Bible says God is love. God sheds His love into our hearts. And God is the one, and we, we reject that or misuse that love. We end up sinking it. We end up putting it in the deepest part of the river. And we continue life without God's love. And we think we can make it through. I want to tell you, you can't make it through. You're broken. You're missing something massive in your life. And many of you haven't heard the voice of God and the Lord in a long time. You haven't opened up the word. You haven't, you're all about doing things. You're out and you're making the sandwiches tonight for the kids tomorrow and doing the washing. You're out in the workplace. You're in college. You're in school. You're in your apprenticeship. And all of a sudden, you're all these actions. And there's no touch of the master's hand in your life. And when the powers of darkness come in, and when the spiritual attacks come in, for we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, all of a sudden, you begin to see, I have no edge. I have no countermeasure. And the answer is always the same to the Christian friends. Elisha cut down a limb of a tree and he cast it into the water and, and supernaturally the axe head floated. I'm sure he was very grateful to the young man. 
brought back to him something that was very costly and very dear. But I want to tell you the solution to God's, of God is the same for every life here this morning. It's the very same because 2,000 years ago a tree was cut down. And out of that tree a cross was made. And upon that cross the Savior of the world suffered and died an agonizing death to pay for the price that you owed to God and what I owed to God. The price of our sin. And it was not with the palsy things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. At a cost to himself, friends, when you and I didn't care about him, when we sped about him, when we cursed his name with impunity, when we walked through his world, breathed his air, defiled his creation, defiled other of his creations, our fellow man that were made in his image, when we walked indifferently, when we held rebellion, when we became critical as Christians and when we went our own ways, I want to tell you, friends, there was a cross that was established, a covenant in heaven with God the Father. And Jesus said, even though they're wayward and even though they're far, I still love them. And I'll become part of the human race. And I will take to myself everything that's due to them, every penalty that they owe to you, God. I will take on my body at Calvary. I will take the price of their failure, the price of their rebellion. I will take the price of their sin. And it cost them everything, friends. When you look at the cross, some look at it as a pathetic figure. When I was a young Catholic, I'm not now, I'm a Christian. But I never understood the cross. I'd look at it and I felt sorry for him. You know, he looked so helpless and sheepish. He looked just like a mammy's boy that was being slapped around as I thought. And why would he want to do that? And he's nice. And Stop bullying poor Jesus. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. It was the act of a strong man. It was the act of a brave man. It was an act of love, friends. It was an act of love. He said, Father, if there's another way, I'll take it. But nevertheless, not your, my will, but yours be done. God said, they have defiled the covenant. They have broken my laws. And because of my justice, I will have justice. And Jesus said, I'll pay the justice. I'll, owe, I'll pay the debt owed to you, God. But you commute from them their sin if they put their trust in me. Hallelujah. I'll tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cross is still powerful today. And I tell you, friends, you Christian, it's not just a, a once-for-all event, friends. It's every day living in the shadow of that cross. Every day living in that covenant of His grace that because of the shed blood, we have a pathway into the very throne of God's grace this morning. You and I can walk into the very presence of God in the most unflattering times of our life when we have failed everybody and ourselves knowing that God says, I still love you, and I still care for you as much as the day you were conceived in your mother's womb. I went to a cross 2,000 years ago, and if I had to do it again, I would, but I don't. I did it once, and it's enough. Will you trust me again? Yeah. Will you come to me this morning? Christian, this morning, how long are you going to try to fake it? How long are you going to try to just get through your life in the best of a natural mind and not take the bloodstained ground that Christ has won for you? The very, very presence of God, the power of God, the provision of God open to you. The very able to have communion with Him. We talk about the Lord's table. Another word is communion, it's to have fellowship. The whole idea is to, on the grace and on the, on the, on the victory of Calvary, on of all that Christ has achieved, that you and I now can have fellowship with God. Hallelujah. I was once a man that not, did not know the things of God, I was just like the animal. Just filling up the senses, what he smells, tastes, touch, feel, and hear. Living by my senses, living little different than the animal, friends. But I tell you, there's a greater need in you than the natural needs. It's the cry for the Spirit. Every life needs a touch of the Master's hand. You might be here this morning and you don't know Christ. You know him as a historical figure or a religious figure. But it means nothing to you. But yet his Spirit is knocking on the door of your heart. And from the day you were born, you knew there was something over you. You couldn't quantify it. It was his love. You knew there was something greater for your life other than getting married and having children and getting a house. There's more to the equation. And you tried it in the bars. You tried it in the, in the drugs. You've tried it all over this world. And Jesus said, come on to me. All you who weary and are heavy laden, those of you who have lost your edge, lost your marbles, lost your thinking, you've gone so far off the edge, you're so far low, you have to jump up to touch the bottom. Jesus said, I have descended even into hell itself. Where can you go from my presence, the psalmist said, if you take the wings of the morning and go to the, or descend into the uttermost parts of the earth, even there, my hand is with thee. 
And you've known that. You, didn't, you couldn't quite quantify that. You couldn't quite quantify the journey of your life, how mysteriously there was a sense of greatness in you. There was a sense that there was something looming that you hadn't discovered yet that was so positive and so powerful. But now it took this moment, coming into church this morning for some, watching online for others, that you begin to see, why well, I lost my edge years ago. I lost my complete grip on life. But I thank God today I'm ready to be honest with the Lord and say, it's gone, Lord. Can you resurrect in me and new life. Hallelujah. 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 Resurrect my marriage, God. My broken family. Resurrect, oh God, Jesus. Even my health. I've lived a life of debauchery and sinfulness. My liver is on the way out. God, oh God, I'm sick and I've caused it all to myself and it's no one's fault but mine. That's where you, that's the honesty. That's the honesty. Well, I wouldn't be as, I wouldn't be like I am today if my dad kissed me more and my mom hugged me more. Come on, stop blaming your mom and dad or your lack of a mom and dad. Oh, if I had a better start in life, or if I had your education, Pastor Nick. Well, I left school at 15. Worked in the working man's world at 15. And I tell everybody with great glee, I was in Mrs. Ruddle's class for English. I was, I was out five students out of 550 selected to be in Mrs. Ruddle's class for English. But it wasn't for our brilliance. We were the five dunces of the school. Amen. Hallelujah. God can take the abyss. Reading didn't come easy. Dyslexia is natural. I even read. I struggle to read because small letters jumble up before me and I get there, T-E-H, or I get it backwards. I'm reading the flow and I'm sweating. I go to big conferences and I've been, please don't ask me to read. My wife knows, please don't ask me to write. I can't write my name. You couldn't decode it. I mean, it would have been, I would have been great in World War II. The Nazis would have read none of my messages. They would have needed no encoder for Pastor Nick. Just get him to write a letter and, uh, you know, nobody could have read it. And that doesn't matter. Amen. Amen. It's not about those things in your life. It's a God that is able to compensate for all of your weaknesses and all of your failures. And so whether you, Christian, started out with the noblest of heart and you've ended up because you've been a cutting person and you ended up with good theology, knowing God, but you've lost your edge and you're in the dumb you're in a dull drum spiritually. I want to tell you, just get honest with God. Come back to the cross. See what he won for you. See the doors still open wide and step through it. Hallelujah. And hear, oh, hear the loving arms of Jesus embrace you. Or if you're number, if you're B, that you just didn't care. You lived indifferently, but now the fruit has caught up at you and you say, my God, I don't deserve anything. I got news for you. I don't deserve anything either. If it was about deserving, none of us make, would make it in. It's about the goodness and the mercy of God. I'm wanting to give back to you a sense of why you live, why you're still in this planet. If I'm not dead, then he not, he's not done. You know, he's saying those words, some of you, what does that mean? Yeah, if I'm not dead, he's not done. What it means, if you're still alive and breathing, he's got a plan for you. Not awesome? Not finished with your life? Doesn't want your head, your, your, you to go down to your grave with regrets? Doesn't want you to be on, on your last, on your deathbed wishing a lot of things were different. He wants you to go to your grave thinking, that's Paul says, I've run the race. I fought the fight. I've kept the faith. Now there is waiting for me a prize. Hallelujah. That is what God wants for you. Amen. He wants you on the victory side. And these young men discovered the touch of the master's hand. Cut down a tree. That was done 2,000 years ago. You don't need to cut down any trees. You just go to the foot of the cross. Marriages that are sunk. Relationships careers. Maybe your prayer life is sunk. You haven't prayed in so long. Your devotion is gone, dead. Your desire for righteousness just fall into the wayside. Your desire for life itself, your love for truth has just become tepid. I want to tell you, let him apply the graces of his covenant to your life. And I want to tell you, you will rise again. And that whole scripture, the whole Bible is about death and resurrection. Not just a one-time event. Everything is about dying to self and being resurrected supernaturally to the Spirit of God. It's death and resurrection. Someone once said, great philosopher of our age, once said that every time you tell the truth, when it's not flattering about you, you go through a death, but you also go through a resurrection. You also go through a resurrection. And this is where you need to talk to God about unflattering truths about yourself and say, I admit to this, God. 
in humility, in sadness. This is me. This is where I lost it. This is what I've become. This is my tepidness or my coldness of heart. And he says, that's okay. I'm going to bring the cross of Calvary. I'm going to put it into the deepest part of your life. And I'm going to resurrect the hope of the gospel in you. And I want to say that is an eternal promise for your life. Because we will all go through deep waters. But the Bible tells me in Ezekiel, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the waves shall not overflow you. Thank God today we have an anchor for the soul. We have the only message that not just makes sense, but that works. For if any man, any woman, Jesus said, would come unto me, I would in no wise cast him out. And if you don't believe that to be true, let me tell you, publicans and sinners, prostitutes and tax collectors, thieves, murderers, that was the Apostle Paul, liars, cheats, adulterers, drunks, all came to him. And he resurrected up in them the plan of God. I want to tell you, friends, the narrative of the Scripture is that he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. He didn't come to heal the well, but the sick. He didn't have any time for the well because he knew you can't help a man that doesn't understand he's really sick. But if you feel, man, I'm sick this morning, sick of what I've become, sick of who I am, sick of the choices I've made, I'm, a tra I'm a trapped. I want to tell you, that's a fantastic place to be in because then you're in a place of honesty to do business with God. And there's a power in the cross that will raise you up, give you eternal life. Hallelujah. You would stand with us this morning as we're going to go to God in prayer as we close out the service. Hallelujah. And a message like this, it doesn't matter what strata of society, what religious background or none you have, whether you're a front-sitting Christian, back-sitting Christian or not a Christian, the Holy Spirit applies this to your heart and where you are today. The Holy Spirit will convict you of where you are, but you need to have the honesty to respond to the Lord. There comes a time when men have to be men, women have to be women, and say, this is the truth of me. And get the business done with God this morning. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait for your friend. Don't wait for someone else to respond. You respond. And I give every head to bow just for a moment, every eye closed, because I understand that when we close out our services, this is where the Holy Spirit wants to bring this together. You're not here to hear, just hear people sing songs and some pastor ran from the top and go in and score cards. Oh, I like this, I didn't like that. Please don't, don't, don't treat church like that. Oh, I like this part, didn't like that part. You're here because God's brought you here. You're here because God's speaking to you. You're here because he loves you. He's guided you to this place this morning. And he says, I, my arms are open to you and my, my power is available to you, but you must come. He said this of, of the Jews in Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. But you wouldn't come. And a few short years later, the city of Jerusalem gets ransacked by the Romans. Not one stone left upon another. Destroyed. Can you imagine had they come to Christ? Had they come to the one that had healed their sick? fed their hungry, cured their mental illness and their demon-possessed, raised their dead, opened the blind eyes and stopped the deaf ears, friends, healed the leper, walked among them with such grace, truth, and love and mercy. And rather than coming to him, they put him on a cross. Wow. The Bible says men prefer darkness rather than light. Maybe you're sick of your darkness now and you're ready to come to Christ this morning. Hallelujah. Every head bow, please, just for a moment. I'm gonna to become a Christian. It's 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 actually incredibly easy. So it tells me that you have to be incredibly stupid to go to heaven to, to go to hell. God has made it so easy to forgive you, so, so easy to change you that you have to have faith to believe in it because He didn't ask you to walk up Crow Parkard 50 times barefooted, to not eat food for 100 days or something lunacy like that. He said, you need to repent of your sin, which is say, I, I, I am so sorry for what I've done. I, have, I, have, I am the reason of my downfall. I'm so sick of it, Lord, and I come to you for forgiveness. That's the first step. 
You have to do it. You can't massage that in your head. You have to speak that to God. You have to speak with your mouth, not in your head, in your mouth. Believe it in your heart. And then you have to say, Christ, I come to you and I give you my life. And I ask you to forgive me and to fill me with the resurrection power of your cross. And that make me a Christian because I can't make myself a Christian. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you stay a Christian. For those of you who are walking with the Lord and you've, you, you're in stormy weather because you've lost your edge with the Lord and there's loads of reasons why. You stop the blame game. That's the first thing. You go to the place of honesty, which is you. Somewhere along the journey, you and God missed out. You might have meant the right thing, but you were doing it the wrong way, possibly with the wrong heart, and it puts you to sea. And then you go to the Lord and say, I lost it there, Lord. Please, let the same Calvary that is bringing some to you today into, the, into salvation, let the same merits of that cross flow into my heart and revive me again in my Christian walk with you, Lord, that I hear your voice and that I will be listening to you. Hallelujah. We're going to sing out. If you need prayer, every, every head bowed again. Sorry, because it's so easy to look up at me. I'm only doing this for the people that might find this a little bit difficult. If you're here this morning and you truly want to give your life to the Lord, I, I, I say to you now, be careful. You don't do this lightly because you, you don't play with the things of God. But I believe that you are here. I believe God's brought you here. It's no mistake. But you need to know that. I know that. God knows that. You need to know that. And if that be true, which it is true, then I encourage you to give your life to the Lord. And if you want to give your life to the Lord without embarrassment for people around you, that's why I've asked heads to be, eyes to be closed. And if just you, me, and the Lord will know. Put your hand up where you are. I'll know, you'll know, and God will know that you want business, you want to make business with the Lord. Put your hand up this morning if you want to receive Christ. Wherever you are. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. I see your hand. God bless you too. Anybody else? God bless you. If you really say, I Pastor, I I I've enough. I I, I need I need I need Christ. I, I can't go on. I, I need a touch with the master's hand. Place your hand up where you are. Hallelujah. There's three people put their hand up this morning for, for the Lord to save them. Yeah, that's not about Pastor Nick seeing your hand. I'm delighted to see your hand. I'm on your side and for you on the journey now. It's great for me to know that. But I want to tell you something far more powerful than that he sees it. He sees the heart. He sees, he sees what's going on. He loves you. It's a fantastic future for you. My gosh. The devil was telling you, you're going to finish bad. You're going to finish good. You're going to finish strong. Now we're going to pray. I'm going to pray first of all for, for these young people, these young men. And one woman as well that put their hand up. This is this is what you pray. I'm going to ask the whole church to pray so that you don't feel a bit funky about this because the Bible says you believe in your heart but you confess with your mouth so you're not just playing games in your head. So you have to say this prayer with me. I'm going to give you some simple words but you need to pray from your heart this morning. Ask the Lord that the Holy Spirit will come and He will touch you and He will He will, He will put the hallmark on the gold. Do you understand? everybody let's pray together will you pray with me dear Lord Jesus I am so sorry of the life that I have lived I'm ashamed for my sin and it has defined me now it haunts me and I have no joy in it but it's all I know Lord will you forgive me will you change my desires will you wash me clean and Lord, will you fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me into a totally new being that I will be a person full of God, full of integrity and willing to stand for what's right and to die for it if necessary. I give you my life and I receive your life. Today, I become a Christian. Today, Lord, I hold your hand and I thank you for your love and your kindness to receive me. Amen. Now I, I know who you are. I, I'm not going to embarrass you. You're on a great journey with the Lord. You're going to have many, many friends and fathers in the faith here that are going to help you and going to encourage you to make connection because you need to. You're going to fight the devil. You're going to start fighting a good fight now. You're still going to be in a fight, but you're fighting a good fight. You're going to learn the scriptures. You're going to learn God's view of the world. It's going to 
is going to consume your life because your life now belongs to him. Don't take it back when you leave here. You can tell your friends if you want, no, I've, I've decided I'm, I'm a Christian. I know, I am, I'm, I'm not the finished article, but I know what side I'm on. And I know who's on my side. So I encourage you in your Christian journey to start putting your roots into the church, get involved, talk to people. But I want to do one more prayer in closing. And that's for the Christian. That, you know, some have been wounded in the house by people like Pastor Nick that shot the mode off at you because you tried to do something right and you didn't do it quite right. And rather than be as godly as Elisha, I pointed all your consistency and you're wounded from that. And you might have been stupid to kick the paint over. And you might have tried to do the right thing the wrong way. It matters not now. What matters is that you get back into that place of fruitfulness. That you, you really shed that over the part today and, and say, Lord, I, I, I want to embrace. I want to embrace the life of fruitfulness again and hearing your voice and being moved that unction of the spirit rather than just action. I want unction. I want to know this is you. Will you close your eyes as well? I mean, let's just pray and ask the Lord. It might be for your marriage. It might be for your own personal walk. It might be for your the relationship with your children. It might be a relationship with wider family. But most of all, it's because your relationship is fractured with your heavenly father. Because really, when that's working good, everything else really tends to start working better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us this morning for journeying so long, oh God, just beating that stick off the tree, Lord. People have asked us how I am, and I tell them I'm fine, but yet, Lord, I am expelled in my energy. I'm frustrated. I don't hear your voice. And I know it's me, and I know it's nobody else. It's, my, it's a me issue. I pray, God, that you would just apply all the great covenant of your grace into my life and resurrect that love, that peace, that joy, that strength, that contentment, Lord, I had. Father, I just ask you to work a refresh miracle in me. And Lord, I, I commit, Lord, to, to embracing all that you say about me now, that I am yours, that I am the apple of your eye. And I thank you, Lord, you now are the apple of my eye. You are the lily of the valley. You are the bright and morning star. You are the fairest of 10,000, and I praise you this morning for your kindness and your long serving towards me. And now, Lord, I thank you. Lord, help me to be honest, Lord, all the time, Lord, and to be willing to bend under the conviction of your spirit and to walk humbly before you. Now, begin to speak to me again, afresh in my heart as I open the word, as I live my life. Help me to live it as best I can for your glory. I ask this, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.